welcome to another episode of the Health and Wellbeing podcast, a companion to the Primary Care Excellence Project. We've created this series for all primary care staff in Greater Manchester. We know that you're under an enormous amount of pressure and hope this podcast gives you some tools to help. I'm Lynn Marsland, and in this series, we've already covered a range of subjects, including the Greater Manchester Wellbeing Toolkit, the Resilience Hub, and Mindfulness. If you've missed an episode, do go back and download them. In today's episode, we're talking about resilience again, but specifically in GP roles. My guest is Dr. Lucy Martin, who has carried out research into the subject. Thanks for joining us, Lucy. Please, can you tell us a bit about yourself and the research you've undertaken? Thank you, Lynn. Yes, I'd be happy to. I'm a GP. I've been a GP partner for 20 years. I work in a practice in an urban location in the West Midlands. I am a friend of Manchester and Greater Manchester, though, as I qualified at medical school from Manchester University. I've also worked in a portfolio career throughout my life, never working full-time as a clinical GP. And I became interested in the topic of resilience really just through my ordinary working life. So can you tell us a bit more about how you approach the subject and what your findings were, your key findings? I did a master's in medical leadership and this was part of the dissertation, part of the master's. As I say, I became interested in the topic of resilience purely because of the uh, way it was referred to on a regular basis, I think, in general practice life. I felt that resilience seemed to be something that we all needed to be involved in. So it became an interest of mine while I was doing my studying. In addition, I'd noticed the sort of springing up of social media groups related to resilience. So that was something that I'd been interested in, joined a few of those groups on some of the various platforms. So, yeah, my research was really about trying to find more about general practice resilience specifically. I found that the topic and the word was used a lot, but it didn't really seem to have any context often or or definition. And so I I wanted to look into that further. Um, So my research was a qualitative piece which involved interviewing GPs from around England. I also had one from Scotland and one from Wales where we talked in depth about resilience at work, but also resilience in in our lives as GPs and how the two overlapped um, with an attempt to identify what resilience meant to people and also with an attempt to identify what factors improved and reduced it and whether there could be anything that could be drawn from that as a conclusion for the wider system given our current GP workforce crisis. So was there a kind of shared understanding or a definition, for want of a better word, between yourselves when you were doing the research? Interestingly, no, there wasn't. I think it varied really between person to person and a lot of colleagues felt that resilience was almost a, a personality trait, which doesn't really fit with a lot of the research on psychological resilience. Um, I think if you think about your own life and you can think about times when you felt resilient and times when you haven't, the psychological resilience research supports that, that resilience is much more of a fluid thing. It's influenced by external and internal factors. But yet a lot of the GPs felt that it was something that they either possessed or they didn't. 
we were able to talk about a lot of common factors that many of the people involved, in fact, most of the people involved in the research could agree on. Factors within themselves that increased and reduced resilience were very similar to what was existing in current research about other professions. So what were the key findings from your perspective? There were a lot of key findings. From a simple, a simplistic approach with things that reduce and increase resilience, there was a lot that chimed with current research on, on psychological resilience. So enhancers of resilience would be workplace things and they'd be personal things. So workplace things may be good communication between colleagues. They might be having access to mentoring and support. They were about having good teams around you and good premises and good IT and the sorts of things that you you can imagine would make someone's working day work better. There were also enhancers of resilience outside of work. So these would be things like personal hobbies, taking exercise, having good mental health, having family or support from a life partner, having friends religious faith, pets, all, all of those types of things, and also a good work-life balance. Whereas the reducers of resilience were much more about workload, work intensification, uh, time pressure, demands at work, and then other things around the workplace, such as organisational change, COVID-19 working, obviously played a part because this research was done in the early months of the, the first lockdown. And then things around... IT again, workforce, working in isolation. There was lots. There was lots of reducers of resilience. Um, so those were kind of the, the the simpler aspects of the simple equation of what increases and what reduces resilience. The perhaps more interesting things were around how GP colleagues saw resilience that it had become another work task. They felt being resilient was just another duty of a doctor that had to be done. And then a lack of resilience was seen as a personal failing. If you didn't have it, if you weren't resilient, then you weren't doing well as a doctor. We also found that doctors seem to feel that they have to pretend to be resilient because of it being part of a, that consideration that it should be your duty. And some of the groups perhaps that had been set up to try and aid resilience sometimes felt counterproductive for some doctors that they felt that they could be a drain on resilience. So there was a, there was a few unexpected things I suppose that that we found as a result of the research that's a um a kind of really interesting concept the the, the thought or the the perception um that you're failing if you're not showing resilience was that quite a a, a wide a, a common perception it was and it, that was surprising to me as well I I think I had individually felt that that might be something that would come up because that's how I have sometimes felt that if you feel that you're not doing well at work then that's somehow your own problem rather than that that's a problem of the system and the problem of the work and the work demands themselves and perhaps um, GPs and probably other health professionals have a, a strong work ethic and a strong commitment to patient care so anything that they feel that might detract from that sometimes makes them feel guilty so yes I think it, it was it was interesting to see also the the recent explosion I suppose in things around resilience such as podcasts and courses where you can go to increase your resilience had made it seem like it should be something that everybody ought to be doing so I think people were feeling that if they didn't get involved with that or they felt they hadn't got time or space for that that somehow they, they were lacking. 
Yeah. Yeah. So um, potentially decreasing your resilience by increasing the the thought that you have to be more resilient. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting. Indeed, yeah. yeah, yeah you, you obviously conducted your research with GPs, but GPs work with a, a very broad group of clinical and non-clinical non uh, individuals in the delivery of their patient services. Do you think or have you done any research into the impact on roles other than GPs? Uh, for me, no, I haven't. I mean, I was very specifically focusing on GPs in their mid-career specifically because that's me in my mid-career and, and really that was the area I was interested in. But when I did more work around literature review, for example, and looked at some of the other studies that are out there on resilience in general at work, you can draw a lot of parallel with some of the stuff that's out there that refers to, for example, armed forces or in the police or research done across the sports professions. So there is a small amount of research done on other health professionals, pharmacists, GPs in other countries as well, and hospital doctors. But I think it's quite straightforward to extrapolate the findings to our primary care colleagues. They're, they're working in the same environments. They're working in the say, under the same pressures. They're working... Uh, with reduced workforce, they have the same interactions with patients. So I, I think it's not unreasonable to um, to to say you can extrapolate the findings to other professions for sure. And, and I guess it would be really interesting to um, put together a group of other primary care staff and and see if their um, their thinking about resilience is the same as your GP group that you have to be resilient these days and to show a lack of resilience is, is seen as a weakness. Absolutely. It's quite an important point, really, that it needs to be looked at in all professions because, by you know, as we know, that the health service does not stand and fall on GPs alone. No. There's the, we're just one cog in a large machine and uh, everybody's feeling the pressure of, of work right now. Yes, abs absolutely. I mean, it's one of the reasons behind developing these podcasts is to try and explore some of the subjects that are adding to the pressures uh, in primary care. So have you gained anything then, Lucy, personally about um, improving or maintaining resilience? Uh, yeah, I think I could say so. I think what, one of the key things that came across from I think it was almost all of the participants if not all of them one of the best ways that they found to improve their resilience at work was to reduce their clinical time in front of patients so saying no to work and saying no to particularly to clinical work seemed to be a way to enhance resilience for people I think there is a narrative around reducing your clinical hours or not working many clinical hours or, or working part-time in particular. That may relate more to women in the workplace as well in particular, that if you're not working fully in your vocation, patient-facing, then you're somehow not as uh, committed to the profession as others. So I think that this idea that to maintain one's career to retirement and to maintain interest and enthusiasm for the job means reducing less clinical hours. It's almost like the research gave me personally permission to feel okay about having a portfolio career. I think it's one of those things that you've perhaps felt, again, of feeling guilty about that you're not working in full, in full clinical contact. But to avoid attrition from the profession, I think keeping people going until they retire is very important. And if that means working less in terms of inpatient facing roles, then that's 
that's that's okay. I think that is a, a really interesting point. And if we think about the, the way of the world today, we're used to having whatever we want at the end of a phone or at the, on a screen 24 hours a day. I think personally that the more people can work part-time or different hours to suit them, not only will it improve their resilience, but I think it offers a more flexible service to our patients as well, if it's coordinated properly. Definitely. That was a key finding. The other part about reducing clinical hours all of the colleagues that I spoke to weren't using those reduced hours to have more leisure time. They were using those reduced hours to do different work. So I think, it, again, we need to reflect on the narrative that we see about GPs working part-time. doesn't mean that they work part-time in, in entirety. They're often doing training, um, university work, research, working in other clinical environments, working in non-clinical environments. And obviously with the move towards integrated care and integrated care boards and, and systems, GPs are going to be an integral part in working in the non-clinical roles in those manager, management roles. So, you know, there's lots of jobs out there that GPs still need to do. Uh, as well as their their clinical work. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I, again, uh, just reiterating what you've said, Lucy, that for me is is really, really crucial. Just from keeping primary care going to some extent. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So do you have any plans to do anything further with your research? I think for me personally, probably not. It's been a, a bit of a labour of love doing a research project alongside working full time. Uh, and particularly as I'm not affiliated to a university, I'm just what I would call a, an ordinary GP. Um, it's difficult to fit research into that into that working life, which is a shame, I think, because I, I've learned an, a huge amount by doing a research project of my own. But I would say that research in the subject of resilience is going to be of continued importance. I would like to see, for example, more research done into a measure of resilience in the workplace. So again, perhaps not just in GPs, but in healthcare professionals in general, where how we can measure their personal resilience at any one time in the workplace would potentially help us identify people who might be more at risk of mental ill health or burnout or even leaving their jobs altogether. I think it would be important to look at studies around interventions for resilience and making sure that they're not just something nice to do and that they actually do help people's resilience at work. And probably I would also like to see some work done with the public around that narrative, how portfolio careers are all right. It's okay to not work a full in a full-time clinical role. I still think there's that perhaps rose-tinted view of how a GP should be. And I always refer back to the um, the Dr Finlay type GP image, although maybe that's, I'm showing my age by doing that, that, you know, people still are in love with this notion of the family doctor and, and what it means to them as individuals. And I think we need to be working on how to change that with the public, because as any of us that work in primary care know that that is, a no, is no longer a sustainable idea. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Lucy. Lucy, I think for me, this has been a really fascinating discussion. The whole thing about people feeling the pressure to be resilient has, I think, put things into a different kind of perspective for us all, assuming that we we know we have to be resilient, but actually making it worse for ourselves by putting ourselves under that pressure. You've really raised that for us. Thank you.
Whereas we can't control everything about our workload and the pressures that are put upon us, there are some things that we can take control of. What do you think they would be, Lucy? Things to improve resilience do help, but people can still really enhance their own resilience by doing their personal things. So again, coming back to that idea that hobbies and family support and friends and socialising are really important ways of increasing resilience as well. So people can do that very easily. And the way, if, if work becomes more demanding, one of the ways to improve that is to improve resources at work. So that is looking at things like you're a good team around you, good staff, stable IT, stable finances, those kinds of things can be things that people can look at and address, even if they can't address their job demands. Thanks, Lucy. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks so much to Lucy Martin for chatting to me today. We hope you found this conversation really useful. And if you would like more information, you'll be able to find details on the episode page. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to the Health and Wellbeing podcast so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love you to tell your colleagues so as many people as possible can hear about the wide range of tools and support out there to help. Until next time, thank you. And goodbye.